just heard last mule in the holler off of the local honey's self-titled release that came out on july 15th 2022 right ladies it was july 15th i think damn it's almost it's like five months now four months almost four months a day (laughs) wow time flies i remember what i was doing that day when that came out i listened to that album for the first time driving from somerset 
to Nashville at like midnight. A buddy picked us up and gave us a ride to Nashville. And that was the first time I listened to that album. Driving nice. through the night. It was actually quite uh, got actually quite a cool way to listen to it for the first time. I like listening to albums at night for the first time. And listening to an album for the first time in the car too is like actually pretty a pretty good experience because you really I mean if everybody's just like not talking and just like got it turned up and everybody's just enjoying that shit like it's kind of a it's kind of a cool way to listen to music for the first time yeah in the car if you've got really good sound like I mean I love to listen to my favorite albums you know on vinyl or some sort of physical media but Mm. there's something about listening to something in the car at night while you're driving either with like friends where everyone's really absorbed or if you're by yourself it's just like i don't know that that's a really great way to listen to music like when people listen to music and they have like or somebody tries to show me they're like hey listen to this and they like put it on their phone i'm like get that shit out of my face i don't want to hear it like that nobody (laughs) wants music like that totally Totally. Like I've sent, I've sent uh, links to music to a friend, like say we're sitting in a bar or something and I'm like, Oh, you got, you got to like make some time to listen to this or whatever and send it to them. And they'll like put the fucking speaker up to their ear right then and there. I'm like, what are you doing? Please don't do that. This is, I didn't say to do that in this public place. Yeah. That's all yeah. Right. Like, come on. But uh, yeah. Teaching. What's that? Sorry. The teaching moment. Yeah, teaching. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got Montana and Linda Jean here on the podcast today. Thanks. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. I think it was uh, it was about it was winter last year. Oh yeah, that was like probably more than a year ago now. I guess um, when you guys released the kind of like A side, B side, um, the two tracks that came out um, in twenty twenty one. We had you mm-hmm. guys on the show then, so uh, thanks again. We're we're missing Mike today, but uh, I'll do my best to pull up, you know, pull my weight here and uh, and Mike's weight fill as well. Fill his uh, fill his camel Crocs. That's right. Yeah, that is exactly. That's a great, <laughs> great way to put that. Exactly. They're they're big. Uh, they're big camel Crocs to fill. I'll have everyone know, <laughs> but I'll do my best. Um, so yeah, hard for coming on the show. They have holes in them. <laughs> they probably do have holes in them. A guy needs a new pair. That I know the strap was all fucking ripped off this summer when he was wearing them. I was like, listen, man, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta maybe replace those at some point. You can't just, you can't just you wear can't holes in the bottom. Of you can't use use four wheel drive all the time. It's not meant for that, you know. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But now he's screwed. Whenever he does need four wheel drive, because straps busted off. So I don't know. Maybe I have to get him a new pair for Christmas. We'll see. But uh, the self-titled release, what do you, you guys would just, uh, you guys just got off the road with uh, Lost Dog Street Band in October, isn't that right? That was kind of mid-October, that wrapped up. Uh, how did that all go? It was, it was great. great. Yeah. Was we uh, Strong, fun tour. Yeah, it was mostly like through a bit of the Midwest and the Northeast. Um, and the Northeast can be kind of a tough market if, um, I don't know going into it cold it's always kind of like I don't know do they like this shit up here um, you know they're not like but we we had great crowds and it's it's nice being with um, 
it's nice being an opener, you know, um, to kind of like get the crowd kind of like loosened up and just being like, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing tonight. You know, we're, we're playing songs. We're like telling stories and stuff like that. And, um, and it's really nice to, to have, especially with lost dog, they have such like a, a dedicated fan base. They, they yeah. really have people that would do anything from them. And we heard mm -hmm. and read, like a ton of testimonies along the way of people just being like, you know, Benjamin Todd's music saved my life. I was in this super low and dark place. And then I listened to this guy who, you know, I see as somebody who has risen above that, you know, and has, has carved out some success for himself and has like bared his heart and bared his soul um, through his music. So just really, a great fan base to kind of um, get acquainted with. So that was really nice. And such a, they're like, you know, that they're uh, lost dogs and Ben's um, solo audience as well, kind of hand in hand, I guess. But that audience is so dedicated, like such a dedicated listening crowd too. like you can hear a pin drop when they're playing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So was it just yeah. you two out or did you have the band yeah. or just, just the two of you? Yeah, it was just us two. Mm. Yeah, we were very well suited together on a bill um, yeah. you know, that that's part of that's very important to us is to have an evening that's curated or mm. you you know we like to have things that aren't the same but to go that pair well you know like a good meal and <laughs> um, we were really well suited for one another and um, we weren't really sure how it was going to pan out but I think that 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 tour was extremely inspiring for me. Um, I needed a tour like that. We hadn't um, had that experience in a while and, and that sort of camaraderie with another group. And um, it just, it just was lovely. There's, there were so many remarkable audiences along that tour. And, um, you know, it, we were not playing rowdy bluegrass music. Um, right now with our duo show we're telling stories and we're trying to connect with an audience and it's extremely frustrating if you do have a crowd that doesn't understand mm -hmm. how to ingest that type of art and how yeah. to listen how to be involved in a song an evening of songwriting and um there was a lot of there was a lot of act or um evenings where people you know, prove that to us that, that that they do know how to participate in that, and so that was that was rewarding. And then other nights, if we if we didn't face that uh, a teaching moment, <laughs> and uh, we I think we handled it really well. But every, every night we learned something, and we got something out of every single night of that tour, and that was very rewarding because you don't always get a tour with with that consistency so it was really cool yeah and like you say going into was that kind of the first time you guys had been up in in some of those markets like up in the northeast no we've been there several times before but um it had been a while you know like covid came and we didn't do much um when covid started you know we did a big tour with tyler childers and the food stamps in europe mm. and so mm. we did that through January and February of 2020. And then we got home and we were home for just a few weeks. And, and actually 
you know, COVID was happening in the UK and Europe, which is where we were for weeks. And we were starting to get a little, like starting to sweat a little bit and being like, we're going to be able to get home. And we did, but it wasn't just a couple of weeks later that everything shut down. And uh, so we didn't do shit in 2020. Um, and then the next year we really didn't play a lot of gigs. We didn't feel the need to get out there and kind of like be temptation because uh, Kentucky had a lot of, a lot of searches and it had a pretty high COVID rates. And so we didn't want to be the ones out there that were like, come to our show on yeah. a Wednesday, you know, and be responsible for that. Those numbers continuing to rise. So we just kind of laid low. We recorded our album in the summer of June 21 and then, you know, so this, from the, the moment that this album has been released until now, um, we're just now starting our downtime. We've been on and off the road since July. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, get back into the gym and working the kinks out and, you know, having that soreness and be like, oh my God, like we took a flight this week that was the most miserable fucking flight I've ever been on in my life. Um, the only thing that would have made it worse if there was like turbulence and like that, like roller coaster yeah. stomach feeling, Ugh. it was miserable. Um, cause we were both in these tiny little seats and we were separated and we were in the back corners and, um, oh. and Linda was, like, we got off the plane. She was like, man, that was miserable. And I was like, if it was miserable for you, think how bad it was for me. Because like, I'm a big girl and I'm tall. So flats yeah. are uncomfortable, you know. Believe me, and, uh, I know all about it. <laughs> flats are uncomfortable to begin with for everybody across the board. But Absolutely. If you've got any height or any uh, hips on you, yeah, man, they suck. <laughs> yeah, they suck. yeah. It, I, uh, like, it was so shaky, and like I was pressed up against the window so much, uh, and it was shaking like uncontrollably, and it felt like somebody had a theragun up against <laughs> my face. It was horrible. Oh, that's terrible. I uh, I refuse. We, we survived. I refuse to, to have the regular seats. Fucking snacks, and I was about ready to oh. lose my shit. Yeah, that's some bullshit. They had pressed back in the corner, and they wouldn't even feed you. Over a thousand dollars for a fucking airplane ticket? They better give you a cookie or something. Well, you think? <laughs> yeah. Outrageous. Give me something to hang on to. <laughs> I, I refuse. I refuse to fly in the regularly sized, like like the regular rows, if my flight is any longer than like an hour and a half, two hours, two hours about boy. my two hours comfort about my limit, and then otherwise I need to get in the exit row because it's like I simply can't fucking sit there with my knees bashed up the against the back of the seat in front of me for that yeah. long. I just can't do it. I don't even understand how they like when. When like the stewardesses and stuff come around and they're like, "Will you will you raise your seat back up before landing?" We're gonna land. Yeah. I don't even I don't even realize that my seat is back because I still feel like I'm hun hunched over. Like I don't even know how they they can tell, but I still feel like I'm I'm constantly like bent bent over myself. I flew and if on I've the way home. Seat, don't talk to me for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a day record. so miserable yeah 
I had, a, I had a lady in front of me on, on a flight I took here um, coming home from Texas a few weeks ago, and it was just the shorty. It was just from San Antonio to DFW, so it was just like, I think it's like 40 minutes. You barely get up high enough to even float, and then you kind of just yeah. come back down. But the lady in front of me who kept trying to like lay her seat back, and like my knees are just right there. Like I wasn't in the extra row, because I was like, ah, that's a short flight. I'm not paying the extra money. It'll be fine. And like she's like laying her seat back trying to like push it back up against my knees and i'm like like lady like i'm not even trying to be a dick right now my my knees are just there like i'm not there's nowhere for my hips and knees to go here and like she just keeps like you know she did it once so i was like oh like surely she you know felt that and she does it again and i'm like oh come on and then she like does it like really hard the third time she kind of like looks over the seat like to because i think she thought i was like holding it up and like preventing her from like laying it back and i was just like listen lady like i'm six foot six it's not gonna happen and she was like oh my god i'm so sorry she felt bad but i was just like man crushing my kneecaps yeah, yeah the, i was sandwiched in between these two fellas and like one of them had a cart like cartman tattoos all over his arms and fucking <laughs> rank rank breath and then oh. the, other, the other guy kept like kind of falling asleep on me and then he would wake up and watch American Gangster <laughs> over my shoulder. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's like a two-hour movie. For like an hour and 50 minutes, this guy also watched. And he didn't have any headphones. So oh. he was just like looking. Oh, over, yeah, just like, out loud. Like his face was right here also watching my movie with me. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's nice of him. Good way to get to know it's somebody, nice I guess. Eh? Yeah. Um. Well, I want to uh, I want to get into the new into the to the latest album here. I I I mean it's the new album. It's, it's four months. <laughs> four months old. Yeah, I mean we could do a separate podcast one day and just talk about you know air travel horror stories because I feel like there's a lot of content there, <laughs> a lot of good stuff. I'm sure. Um, I guess we could talk about music. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could talk about music, right? Um, so obviously this one was um, sonically a lot different. I feel mm -hmm. like. Um, you know both in like the finished product and i'm sure for you guys like going in to record it um and so i'd like to know like how each of you you know kind of individually mentally prepared for the recording sessions with them being like knowing what you were going in to create um compared to some of your previous releases Linda, you want to go first? No? Okay. okay. You go. Uh, um, I was really excited because my background is in electric music um, mm. growing up. And so I was really excited to do something different and to take our songs and put our own sounds and voices behind them um, and do something different. Um, yeah. I was very, very excited Um for that opportunity because there's several songs that were written that we thought about recording at earlier dates, but I didn't really feel, I didn't feel like what we were doing at the time they lent towards that. And I, and I like the idea behind um, being a duo, being a band and just the opportunity of growth that you have, especially um with what Montana and I do, the local honeys isn't just a traditional project. Mm -hmm. um, we have the opportunity to do all different things of whatever interests us at the time. And so the first album was our first attempt at making an album 
getting our feet wet with our instruments. We were just learning to play fiddle and banjo and um, we were just beginning to write songs. Um, and then the second album, the gospel was basically a research project. And then um, with our A side and B side with dynamic living and Octavia, those were more of um, two songs that we really just wanted to record. And we both had our own ideas of how we wanted to do it. And we just got in the studio with our friends and just had fun. And then with this latest release, some of those recordings were written, you know, five, six years before we recorded them or um, it just finally felt right to do a songwriting album that was our voice and to do a new sound to show ourselves that we have the opportunity to do, to do all sorts of things. Um, so I was just, the whole thing really excited me to be doing something different. Um, you know, giving something a different kind of groove. Yeah. I don't know if I um, answered that. Yeah, I think so. For me, Absolutely. For me, like, uh, my background is was not in electric music. Um, so, you know, I started, I played, like, I don't know. I took piano lessons when I was a kid from an old church lady. I never practiced. I played clarinet in the middle school band. I never practiced. And um, then it wasn't until I got into college that I started playing the banjo and, and uh, started just, you know, let that thing change my life, basically. Um, so I'd never played with drums. So one thing that I was trying to do was trying to listen to different recordings of uh, nuanced ways of adding drums. I didn't want drums to be um, a very scary thing on the album or something that was overpowering or just, you know, kind of hit you in the face. And luckily we had uh, Rod Elkins um, drumming on that album. And so he was, I mean, a master and very easy to work with. Like he's, he's been a great friend for years. And um, another thing that I was, I think we have some friends overseas. Um, they're from Dublin, Ireland, and they are a traditional Irish band, more or less. And the more is that they do add sense and big sound, and um, they, re they really explore sound. Um, and so they've had... Like, if you go back and listen to their back catalog, they, they've kind of had a somewhat similar trajectory as we have. We met them years ago when they were almost strictly a traditional Irish band. And their kind of mission in their music is much the same as ours. That's like, we want to pass this on. We want to share this with people. We don't want this to get lost. That being said, we don't have to play it the same way that they played it in the 1600s, you know, we don't have to play it the same way that they played it pre-Civil War area. Um, we can add some new elements to it because we're building on something. Um, yeah. The way that the world is now, we have so many opportunities with sharing music and learning music. So it's like, you know, we can do this Tommy Gerald tune uh, a different way than Tommy Gerald did it. But guess what? You still have the opportunity to listen to Tommy Gerald um, because he was recorded a lot by field recorders and he made albums so 
I was listening to Lankum and kind of thinking how we could bring some of those elements into our music um, and make it moody and make it heavy and make it loud and make it powerful, um, all with keeping traditional elements. I played claw hammer banjo or two finger style banjo on every track of this album. And I play the same part as I would if I was playing it by myself or as a duo or whatever. So my banjo parts never changed. We kind of added things onto that rather than being like, fuck it, take the banjo out, start over, you know, learn something. <laughs> I didn't have to learn anything new for this album, basically, <laughs> which was great for me. Cause like I said, I don't like practicing. Um, <laughs> but so that was cool. And then also we worked with Jesse Wells. He was our producer and, yeah. Y'all came to Laurel Cove in 2021, right? That's where we yeah. met y'all the first time? Yeah. Right. So it was like a perfect storm because we were working with Jesse, our producer on this, and kind of breaking these songs down and adding little things here and, and at, taking little things away. And Jesse really helped us maintain the core of those songs that we felt was important, you know? If he wanted to do a melody change and we were like, no, no, we don't really want to do that. We we kind of hear it like this. He would be like, okay, then let's not change that. Let's change this or add this or take that away. Um, so we were working with Jesse and we were also working with our band. Um, we've had bands, quote unquote bands in the past, um, uh, trios or um, yeah. a four piece band or a five piece mm -hmm. band or a square square dance or something like that. Typically, um, we never had we'd never had an electric band. Right. So we were working with those guys on these songs and kind of tearing them apart and putting them back together and stuff like that. And then also working with Jesse. And we had like short amount of time because Laurel Cove was in June and June. we recorded in June. And some of these tracks, like, they didn't match up. The arrangements didn't match up. So we had to, like, separate in our brain, like, okay, this is how we're going to do it on the album, and then this is how we're going to do it live. Yeah. And it was a mind fuck. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, I was very stressed <laughs> out. Because I think I remember you guys stressful. saying that that was your first elect full electric set at Laurel Cove, right? For, it yeah. was. That was the debut of the band. We didn't tell yeah, anybody... Yeah. There was a handful of people that kind of knew that we were going to bring a band, but they didn't know what it was going to be like. Yeah, I um, remember that. And then all the guys that are in the band with us, they're kind of like, you know, they're local heroes in a way, like Josh Nolan, uh, Don Rogers, Zach Martin, all of these guys yeah. are well-known in the scene and really um, well-respected for just who they are and also their musicianship and the creativity that they just – expel constantly mm -hmm. i loved what you said this is like going back a ways but i loved what you said about uh building on you know that that traditional music because you know anybody or not anybody but i, I feel like there's a such a distinct difference between like you say you can go play a song the way it's always been played and kind of try to put your own flavor on it and use the same instruments but it's a whole other thing to like try to build on the the genre as a whole and i feel like that's a lot more like maybe the difference between just preserving and like making people aware of a particular type of music 
and like you said building on a particular type of music and kind of creating adding on to that and, and progressing it further yeah so, it's yeah. not necessarily to us i guess the it's not trying to change the sound of what we do but just just expand upon it and expand right. our sound yeah. yeah um and trying new things to make two people even sound larger than life if that's the case or taking or using multiple people and trying to just keep the elements and the fiddle and banjo and the traditional singing at the forefront but then exploring things sonically and how to elevate them in different ways or just expand upon the sound and that was the cool thing about working with jesse's because he knows our influences he knows who we are as musicians, who we are as people. He's worked with us for years. Um, he knows us better than just about anybody. And we knew that we wanted to make this with family so that it would be an authentic representation. And he was able to help us do that. And some things we brought to the table and I was like, I want it to sound exactly like this. And he was like, all right. And then there was other times where it was like, okay, this is what I have. I'm not necessarily satisfied with it. I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing for you to just take this in your hands and see what you think about it. And so it was very collaborative, but he definitely still let us have a large hand in the production mm -hmm. and the producing of this record. Um, like I said, he knows who we are. He knows that when we have an idea, that we are very driven to that idea. But um, as always, just a pleasure to work with him because he he really is like family. This was also our our songwriting album. This that's what we've kind of deemed it as in our like collection of, you know, our discography to us personally, this is our songwriting album. And because we've been kind of immersed in traditional music for nearly 10 years um everything has a lot of those traditional elements the guitar has a lot of traditional sounds the claw hammer banjo um and so these songs were written in that style um and they're inherently simple songs kind of um there's not a whole lot like I found that the lyrics are pretty straightforward and the music is pretty straightforward. Um, so we wanted to make the sound of it not so cut and dry, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make the, the sound and the layers of it a bit more complex. Um, traditional music isn't simple music. That's something because like, I mean, there's a lot of people call us a bluegrass band, whatever. We're not really a bluegrass band. Um, mm -hmm. If you told that to my, you know, 65 year old neighbor, uh, he'd probably get pissed off because he knows what bluegrass <laughs> is. Right. And we're not a bluegrass band. Yeah. Um, but we have elements of bluegrass music because bluegrass derived from old time music. Right. So yeah. it's got elements that it carried on for further. But, you know, we just kind of shake it off, whatever, call us, just call us, call us a band. It's okay. We'll be a bluegrass yeah. band if you want us to. <laughs> um, but so we wanted to, I don't know, 
old time music has never been popular music except, you know, pre Civil War or something like that. Um, so, and we didn't necessarily make an album to be popular. Um, this was just us kind of getting together with other instruments because it's it's been a duo for a very long time. Um, yeah. And let me tell you something. I don't listen to a lot of old-time music right now. Before, especially when I was in college and just after college, that was almost all I listened to, and it annoyed my friends because I was like, <laughs> listen to this scratchy-ass recording, you know? Um <laughs> But I and the same for Linda, like we have really broad musical taste um, all over the place. So we love blues, we love jazz, we love hip hop, we love kind of that folk rock sound, just old dirty old southern rock too, you know. So we wanted to bring all of that in there. Yeah, and I, I like what you said earlier about the fact that I mean, you guys can pretty much at this point now. I mean, there's of course far more different genres to like experiment with in the future i'm sure and everything else but it's like you guys can really do it all right now with a full electric band as a duo as a trio as a you know you can kind of explore all those different things as as a live act and i think that's i think that's really really cool and just shows how how gifted you guys are to be able to jump between those different you know different arrangements at any given time yeah, and tra traditional music isn't just traditional music is kind of a to me a, a blanket statement or an umbrella statement of old time, you know, bluegrass, rockabilly, blues, jazz, western swing, all the different facets of country music. Um, but I, I think of traditional music as being a very large platform to use. Um, mm -hmm. so that's why we don't really necessarily, and then there's also like neo-traditional things of where people are testing the boundaries of those, um, of those genres, but, like, um, Bela Fleck. Yeah, like Bela Fleck mm -hmm. or like Gillian Welch. I think she's a, a prime example of, of someone that can bend traditional music into something more than just art music something that is beloved by large amounts of people mm. um, and commercially yeah well now might be a, a good time to jump into the middle of the song here uh this is the only cover on the album and uh written by gene ritchie i pronounced that correctly i believe and uh, montana this is actually a relative of, of yours isn't that right yes it is a um distant i feel like that got printed somewhere that that was a, a relative that gene ritchie is kin to me it got printed somewhere and um i don't well, know maybe it's on our website saying it so people thought well we should well, talk I about said it to like a couple people you know but now i get asked about it and now i'm like i don't actually know how we're related um <laughs> but <laughs> wow but we're gonna yeah we'll just that's not important we'll just take your word for it it's all good it's uh, i mean so I had talked about it on a, a radio program the other day, and uh, this was a guy who knew Jean, Jean Ritchie, and I never knew her. She she passed away before um, I got to meet her, and I had just kind of started getting into traditional music. And my mom told me, because I was listening to all these, you know, uh, this weird music to her, 
Uh, and then she said, "Have you? do you know who Jean Ritchie is? And I was like, uh, I think maybe I've heard of her or something like that. And she said, well, you know, she's your cousin. And I was like, I didn't know that. Um, and she explained it to me. And it's it's some situation. It's like double first cousins where a pair mm. of brothers married a pair of sisters. Um, so I'm kin to her on both sides of my mom's family, but very distantly. But it's kind of odd. My mom thought it was odd because she was like, it's so strange to me that you found this music on your own. And she was mm. such a, a giant in traditional music. She was a superstar. She was the the folk mother and uh, really was an ambassador for Kentucky and Appalachian and music. Um, and then also me and Linda started hosting square dances and, and going and playing at square dances all over the region. And my mom was like, that's so weird because her mom and dad were big uh, square dancers. They would go every week and they would drag my mom along and she fucking hated it because she was like, you know, a teenager and she thought it was super lame. Like a teenager in the 60s going to a square dance with her parents, you know, she yeah. didn't think that was cool at all. <laughs> but now like we, we have square dances and she thinks it's cool all of a sudden because she knows the dances, you know, like she knows the moves. And so she feels um, like ahead of the game because she knows what to do in the Virginia reel. <laughs> and there's all these people messing up and like, eh, you know, but that's part of square dancing. You're supposed to mess up. It's fun. I love that. But, there's this really great meme and it's like a bunch of middle schoolers asking like, Hey, can you, can you like teach me how to balance a checkbook? And they're like, shut the my taxes up, square dance. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> or when uh, did y'all do that in public? Did y'all do that in public schools in Canada? Because we square all dance? learned how to square dance. Yeah. We all yeah, had to we learn had how to, to square dance. It was like part yep. of like phys ed class. We had to learn how yeah. to square dance. It was like, you know, you did it like one day. So then the gym teacher like had to like, you know, cover his ass basically on the curriculum. But it, we did have to have to do it for like one class yeah. for sure. It wasn't yeah. a, like a whole, you know, week or nothing, but it was, we definitely gave it a shot. Have you seen the, that 70s show episode of when Kitty makes them all go square dancing? No, it's been a long time since I watched that 70s show. It's been... It's worth a read. It's worth it. I might have to check that out. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's jump into that song. I don't know if you if you want to introduce it further, uh, either one of you um, at all. But feel free to do that now if you want. Yeah, um, I love this song. I have always loved this song. Um, Gene Ritchie does a beautiful beautiful version of it um and she wrote this song and she's from perry county kentucky uh she grew up in viper kentucky um and so my mom is also from around perry county um and she wrote this song presumably about the lnn railroad that stopped running through her hometown of hazard hazard kentucky was a booming coal town uh even when my mom was growing up it was you know she talks about Hazard had everything. It was a hub. Um, lots of jobs, good schools, a movie theater, good groceries, and good entertainment. And um, so, and then the LNN stopped running through because obviously coal runs on a boom and bust cycle, as do many like extractive industries, um, especially coal. So she wrote about that and talked about like how that boom and bust cycle affects the people of 
Hazard and her family. She came from a very large family. I think she was the youngest of 14 kids. So I've always loved this song because my dad uh, worked for the railroad. He was a locomotive engineer for 40 years. And my mom worked for that same railroad and she was like a clerk. Um, and that's how they met. And so that connection. And then we wanted to cover this because we've been playing it for years and I've always heard it with just this big drudgy you know groove and just really all out singing and uh, I, I love the way that this turned out I think it's it's still one of my favorite songs to I can I can always listen to you know sometimes when you come out to an album out with an album you're like I can't, I can't listen to I'm over it already um I still get a lot of enjoyment out of listening to the LNN. Son, you go to school 
Once again, that's on the self-titled release from July of 2022. What uh, went into the decision of making this one just self-titled? Like, as compared to, like, you know, naming it something, you know? Being your third obviously, album, like, it's a curious, like... Obviously a lot of thought. Yeah, we put a lot of obviously thought. Obviously a lot of thought. <laughs> well, I just thought, you know, I was, but, like, kind of thinking about it. Maybe, maybe it's a little... I'm, like, digging into it too deep, but it's, like, you know, like you said, like, this is kind of, like as you as you progress like this is like this is the local honeys now you know kind of like you say you can do it all kind of thing like whether it be as a duo or as a you know as as you know doing the more uh the traditional stuff or or the electric stuff like this is this is us that that's what it felt like we've always we've always had fun naming our albums and and coming up with themes and stuff like that um for everything we we do that shit with all kinds of stuff so um, the first album was Little Girls Acting Like Men because there was a song uh, called Little Girls Acting Like Men. And we just liked that idea of, you know, uh, femininity, but having a tough kind of shell. Um, and then the gospel project, we just kept calling it the gospel album, the gospel album. That As we were talking about it, we were like, let's just fucking call it the gospel. Um, and so we thought that that was kind of cheeky and fun. And then this one... You know, I I tried to convince Linda to call it Throw Me in the Thicket When I Die. Uh, and she was kind of like, meh, meh, meh. Um, and other tunes, the names of other songs didn't seem like they fit very well. Um, but the only thing that we could think was that this was uh, the truest to self album that we'd done. We weren't trying to sound like anybody else. We weren't playing other people's songs except for Gene Ritchie because she's Gene Ritchie. Um, and so we thought we've never done a self-titled album. So this, this is it. Let's do it as this one, as our kind of debut of like, here's our voices and not yeah. just, you know, singing voices, but here's our voice in how we talk and how we tell these stories about family, about place, about uh, communities and, and music and life and death and living in the country and having um, growing up in rural communities and how they kind of, um, if you gr- if you grew up in a rural community, a lot of times it sticks with you in some way or another. You know, 
you can go out and live a different life from what you did growing up, you know. Um, but it, it always sticks with you and you have a close connection Absolutely. to home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we both have a very close connection to home and we have very different homes, you know, just within an hour and a half of each other, the landscape is pretty different. Uh, the culture is pretty different. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just an expression of who we are and where we're from. And um, we've been playing music together now and creating art and been working on projects together now for almost 10 years. And so it just felt right to finally say, hello, <laughs> here we are. This is, this is what we do. And just, uh, just finally make a statement as to who we are, especially as songwriters, because songwriting is very personal. Oh, yeah. Very, it's a very personal thing. So it just, it just seemed like the right fit. And I love to name stuff. I'll, I'll name everything. So it, so it pained me to just call it the name of our band, but it did seem right. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to be true to myself in that goddamn moment. Linda got me a fish for my birthday, and she had already named him. Oh, it was, what it was perfect. What was his name? She told me she she was like, "I do have a name for him because I did kind of get attached, but you can change it if you want to." But I think it's pretty good. And uh, I was like, "Well, what's his name?" And she said, "Little Bubby, because he blows bubbles." So <laughs> I have Bubby the fish. Bubby the fish. <laughs> little Bub. We call him Little Bub. Little Bub. Little Bub. Little Bub. <laughs> that's awesome that is pretty also, fitting, she got me, actually. She got me a fish for my birthday and i like she showed up she was real excited she told me that she was working on my birthday present for weeks and i was like what does that mean you're working on like are you building something she you was like no something. but it's pretty good and uh then she brought it in and she's like i was like linda you got me a fish and she was like i got you a fish i said why did you get me a fish? <laughs> she said, well, we were on the road driving through, I don't know, Nebraska or something. And you said that you'd never had a fish before. And I could not believe that you had never, you're 31 years old and you'd never had a fish. So I got you a fish. And I was like, okay. Did you, did you have a <laughs> tank? Like, what did you, she just, would you just no, show up with it in the, the bag thing. and you were just like, she brought the whole thing. I, don't, I didn't oh. have to think about it. Oh, you got yeah. the whole deal. Nice. Okay. I she was going to say, you yeah. spring a fish if on If she could throw it up with a, a bag. with a fish in a bag, I would have yeah. like chucked it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, what nice. am I supposed to do with this? What do I do with it now? <laughs> I love fish. I think they're so fucking cool. I love to eat fish. I like to look at fish. Um, I love I, fish. I, like I love, love to fish. eat them. <laughs> like everything yeah. about it. Linda had a fish when she was, this is why we had this conversation in the car on tour because she has a pretty tragic story that you don't have to tell, but um, I love the story simply because of what her fish's name was when she was a kid. She had a fish named Mr. Sardines. (laughs) Mr. Sardines. (laughs) R.I.P. I I had a bunch of fish that I only really liked Mr. Sardines, but I'll tell you what happened. Okay. Don't so, know if you should. <laughs> please do. I'm really curious. And this was like super traumatic for me because I fucking loved this fish. And I've always had animals 
I mean, I was the kid at school. Like I had like 20 cats at one time. Oh, wow. Like they were all like, they were outside. They were barn cats. Some of them were indoor. Like we had like six horses. We had a couple, we always had two dogs. You know, I had, I always had animals and, uh, I had, I had this crab that would like crawl out of the fish tank all, all the time and he sucked. And then I had a couple other fish that just, they sucked. But Mr. Sardines was like personable, like would come up and like, you know, like you could put your finger there and he would follow you and stuff. He was cool. And uh, my mom had told me to, you know, I guess to clean the tank and I brought it into the kitchen and uh, I put like a bunch of red solo cups, like filled with water um, I like filled them up and like put, put all my fish in these little cups and I cleaned out the whole thing, like scrubbed it all. And then I turn around and I look and I didn't realize that my mom had been doing dishes and she had been, you know, using scalding hot water to do the dishes. And I boiled all of my fish, including Mr. Oh, Sparky. No. Oh, that was the oh, end of the Oh no! <laughs> this story kills me. This story kills me. <laughs> and like my mom has these gigantic oh. koi fish, like huge koi fish, and like yeah, if if you take care of them and like really like fish will eat like koi will eat out of your hands. Like they're really sweet. Yeah, and they like they're oh. really sweet. So like I love fish, and then Montana. I'd never had a fucking fish before. I could not get over that. And I was what like, kind of fish did you get her? A dragon scale male beta fish. Okay. He's like cool. rain. He's like the color of the rainbow. Little bub. Cute. He's really cute. Bubby. I got her everything that I would want, like tank, like the bougie sand instead of that, like rock gravel, like pink <laughs> nice. bullshit. Um, I got like really nice plants. Like I went overboard. I got the fish that I wanted and like, you know, cause I, I, had think, to get she, the I think she did all that. I think she did all that in case I was like, I don't want a fucking fish. Take it yeah, back. Yeah. So that she Take would be like, back. Yeah. okay. Okay, great. <laughs> and cool. She would just, yeah, cool. <laughs> I love fish. But yeah, to yeah. Me. I got everything that I would want just because I was like, you know, that's how I am when I give a gift too but uh i got very attached to little bubby but he's in good hands he's in good hands it's good he won't yeah, I, i'm sure heart. you probably check up on him regularly <laughs> yeah he sent me yeah. a picture of little bub this morning oh nice right i cleaned his tank this morning and i didn't kill him i don't think and he didn't kill him no, he's that's still, good. i didn't i didn't bowl him alive so that's uh, it's good that's a good uh success. another it's another good also, learning what, moment i'm also not it, 10 you know yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> well, it seems like a good place. Uh, I'll, I'll hit you with a couple rapid fires here. Um, first one, what is your favorite struggle meal? It's been a new favorite question of mine lately. Soup favorite beans. struggle meal. What's that? Soup beans. Soup beans. Like as in you don't got no money and you have to make something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Soup beans. And then I like biscuits better than I like cornbread, unless it's like fucking delicious ass cornbread. If it is just mediocre cornbread, get that shit out of my face. But corn, like soup beans with like fresh onions and like a pepper, some sort of hot pepper. 
I could eat it every day. I, I have never thought about this question. Um, so I I don't know. Um, I've never thought about struggling. Uh, <laughs> Thriving. I've never times. realized that I was struggling so much. I guess I, um, just cereal, just a bowl of cereal um, uh, or like just straight peanut butter from the jar. Can't go um, wrong. I usually have those. I don't always have cereal, but I usually always have peanut butter that I can just, you know, eat right out of the jar. So if you come to my house, just know that that peanut butter jar is not safe. That's right. I think I think mine is. Uh, I think I've said it on previous episodes, but mine's definitely like you know, just the cheap ramen noodles with uh, with tuna or some kind of canned fish of some kind with a lot of sriracha on it. It's like you know, you love it's fish. Like, it's like three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love fish. I love to eat fish. <laughs> love to eat fish. Yeah, I, I love that. That was what you started with. You know, I love fish so much. They're delicious. <laughs> um what's uh what's the coolest thing you've ever got at a thrift store <clears throat> well we've thrifted so much it's hard to choose, I'm sure. that's kind of hard to say i got a really this is i got a really cool painting recently um really nice and it wasn't like um it's <laughs> like a, a uh, yeah, it was a thrift, uh, but it was at this, uh, there's a place in Louisville. We were playing in Louisville with Lost Dog. We had time to kill, so we went to this place it's called Florida Flea. It's this massive warehouse, it's and I always wanted to be, it's a bougie flea mall, and mm. uh, so we walked around, and I kept going back to this painting. It's a, it's a steam engine uh, in a rail yard, and so it, it reminded me of my dad told you he worked on the railroad and i just kept coming back to it coming back to it and then finally i decided i was going to get it and the girl came and helped me get it off the wall and we walked to the register and when i got to the register there, there was this guy standing there talking to the other girl and he was asking a question and he was just going right on cool well thanks and just real soft-spoken like unassuming guy and meanwhile i was over there like bug-eyed and like struggling to breathe and he left and I looked at the girls and I said, excuse me, was that Jim fucking James? And they were like, I don't know. Who's that? And I was like, he's the front man for my morning jacket. And he lives in Louisville. Like he's from Louisville. He lives here. And there's like Jim James sightings all over the, all over the place in town. And it was, it was a hundred percent him. And I really regret not talking to him. But I would have said something stupid, so it's for the best. <laughs> also, I also came into the venue and I told Benjamin Todd, I was like, "Dude, I just saw Jim James," and he's like, "Who's that?" Like, Benjamin Todd has no pop culture reference or knowledges at all. If you have a funny movie reference or a TV show reference, don't, don't it. waste it on him. He's not gonna get it at <laughs> all. And it's like, tell it to Ashley. Ashley will get it, and you'll get some satisfaction out of her laughing at your stupid joke. <laughs> ben is gonna ask too many questions, and so he he's was gonna like, yeah, it's "Take you seriously? That, like, what, what do you?" Yeah, mean? he was like, "I don't know who that is. Uh, who is that?" And I was like, "The venue that we were playing in, Louisville, had a fucking mural of Jim James on the wall." And I was like, "Jim, <laughs> that, that guy, guy. <laughs> that guy right there." It was him, except so like real life. Trip. Yeah, except not in watercolor. Yeah, yeah. 
What's your favorite thrift find, Linda? I've been trying to think. I'm even looking around, like <laughs> trying to find like something off the wall. Figure it out, like because I mean, are we actually saying like we paid little to no money for this thrift, or is or is this just like mm. are we talking about like antiques and relics and like junk stores? Because okay. I love them so much. I mean, when we when we're on the road and touring, like. If we have to like stop and pee, I will make Montana go to like an antique store or a flea mall. Like there for a while, she was like, you know, kind of bucked up against it because she was like, we don't have time. And then after we being on the road, never have time. She's like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> um, but I mean, I I found like a lot of really, I got some cute shit in my house. And most of it has been from finding like little treasures all over the place. But one of my fav favorite, I'll say records that I've found. Mm. Um, I love it because of the obscurity. I was in Asheville, North Carolina, or just outside of Asheville with um, my friend Anna Klein and John Looney. And I found like a basket of 45s. And I love like, funny like obscure 45s and i found one and it was by a woman the artist's name was beulah and that was my grandma's name and so and the album was titled beulah the record label was beulah records um it has a picture of beulah there it's signed by beulah and if you listen to it, you feel like you're tripping on drugs, like hard drugs, because <laughs> every everybody is playing together except for the drummer. The drummer's playing different songs. It's like it's very uncomfortable, <laughs> and like and written on the sleeve, it said very odd creepiness. And you know there what? was no like way for me to check this out and like listen to it, but I saw that, and I was like. This is hilarious. I'm taking this home. And when we listened to it, we were like, this is, this is fucking Not insane to listen to. Um, but you're never going to find that again. No one is going to find that record. You think and it's so on Spotify? Why, no. no. I don't think Have that you there looked? was more. I don't think that there was more than this one copy that she signed. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> very it's, it's so obscure like this is the, this is like really obscure for me because that's like i'm always hunt i hunt for the deep cuts i hunt for the shit that nobody's like i'm just like you know i want to hear what if i want to uh, look right? it up like, on spotify right now and like she's if, like a like superstar if, like if beulah came out with this album like you know today she would like announce on instagram or he or she at beulah yeah it's a she. There's okay. a band called yeah, so, Beulah that's got. So she'd announced the record. Say it came out today, and she said we made a record, and like literally, like we made a record, like one, one of them. One of them. That's mm -hmm. it. That's the only one we made it. a record. And does the only way to find it is in a weird antique store somewhere. In Linda's drawer. Yeah, and now in Linda's drawer. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's one of the most like records i've ever found that's a good one i like that and i love to hunt for records me and my partner we both have pretty extensive record collections and like my half of my the majority of mine is at my mom's house 
because it's really annoying to move records. It um, is. I just did that. It's miserable. Oh my gosh. And uh, his collection is outrageous, but every single record is a treasure. Like there isn't, there's no fluff. Right. Like, yeah, it, Tim's got, Tim's got a solid collection. It's incredible. He has such an incredible curated record collection. And, um, he's contemplated on selling it a few times and like trying to like auction it off or something. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. When we die, people are going to come into our house <laughs> and realize that we listen to great music. Yeah. People are going to think we're cool. There's no bullshit. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing collection. It's really cool. There's no, that. there's no Beulah in there. There's no Beulah in there. No, but I'm, I'm more of like the, the weird 45 collector. Right. But like just vinyl, he's got an, inc- an insane collection. No, yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, I uh, we're about hitting an hour here, so I figure I can uh, we can start to wrap this thing up. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing the podcast again and talking about the new album. I really, yeah. I really loved hearing a lot. I was I was really excited to talk to you guys about this one just because it was such a you know, like we've talked about the entire time, just uh, such a, such a change in the sound and uh, being there for that first uh, electric set at Laurel Cove. Like I was just, I was just really excited for it. Cause I knew it was going to be, I knew it was, you guys would have a lot to say and kind of a lot to share about the, the process on how you guys kind of made that, made that change. I don't want to call it a progression because it's like, I feel like progression makes the previous stuff sound less or something like that but definitely definitely a shift for sure yeah i mean it, it is a progression because it shows our growth if people yeah. were just making records that didn't show any type of growth that would be bullshit right like the if you there the instrumentation the musicianship um the songwriting ability the vocal ability everything about it has shown immense growth and that gives me mm. that gives me hope that we're on the right path and that right trajectory together. And we're lifting each other up and we're constantly learning because we're striving yeah. to just be the best artists that we can be and then grow together. So mm-hmm. I think progression is the right word. Okay. I'm, I'm flattered by that. Okay, good. Okay. I didn't want, I was like, I don't know how that might come across, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, what do you, I guess uh, maybe real quick before we wrap up, like, what do you guys, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think's next? Like, where do you see that kind of next? What, what, what do you think the next step is after? Are you going to kind of stick to this sound or like, you know, like what's, what, what do you That's think is secret. next for the local honeys? It's a secret. It's a you can't secret. give us any, can't no. give us any hints. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking no about it. We, well, I'm just going to say like a lot of thought and a lot of, a full year went into making this record, you know, and it was, we were completely immersed thinking about it daily, you know, not just writing it, but getting it out and Mm -hmm. doing the production, doing the mixing uh, and and doing all the little shit that goes along with putting an album out. Um, And so we've been stuck inside this album, even though we recorded it a year ago, um, but we've been stuck inside of it for a long time. And, you do interviews and you do PR and you talk about it and you, you dissect it all. And that's been cool. Um, and so we haven't really had time to think about where we want to go with the next one. 
So this right now, we've just now kind of started a little period of rest um, to where we can kind of get grounded and uh, figure out what we want to do. We've got we got a couple yeah. of ideas. So cool. And they're they're cool. ideas that excite us. That's not anything. They're not ideas that are super boring to us. They're they're, they're really <laughs> exciting to us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good sign. But also. <laughs> We get excited over beta fish and Beulah records. So, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, other people might not like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I guess uh, there's your next album title: Beta Fish and Beulah Records. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Beulah the Beta, but he's a guy. He's a boy. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna finish it off here today with uh, "Throw Me in the Thicket When I Die." Um, I don't know if, yeah, thanks again for doing the podcast here today, you two. It's always a blast talking to you and, uh, and uh, cracking jokes and getting to hear some stories about the music. And uh, I, really, uh, I really can't wait to hear what, hear what you guys got for us next. But uh, if you want to... Great broadcast. Great, yeah. great broadcast. Garrett. Broadcast, right. I forgot about that from last time. <laughs> the broadcast. Uh, I listened to the podcast that we, like, this was months ago. Um I listened to a podcast that you did on somebody, and then I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to the shit that we said the last time," and it's just pure goof for an hour. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. just pure goof. Uh, yeah, I we, remember you know, we didn't talking even, about music hardly at all. We didn't even bring up Tradio this time, which you know, yeah. I think we got our Tradio fi- fix last time. I'm sure, but uh, good yeah. morning, Tradio. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I uh. I, I need to, I need to tune into some Tradio at some point. I still haven't, admittedly, but uh, if you if you had something to trade today, what I'll leave you with one. Oh. what would you? What kind of trade would you like to make on Tradio? Mm. What would you call in? You know what? I think I'd try to. I do. I have to trade something, or can I just sell something? You have to trade it's something. Buy, it's, I have to trade it. Well, it's it's buy, sell, or trade, Linda. So I know, but um, I think that okay. Fine. She's making it. Di- she's making it difficult. She wants you to trade something. Okay, that's okay. I'll... You don't have. You don't have to. What's something that you would okay, like to I... buy to trade? All right. Well, so I just got this new place. I was just saying. So I actually the couch I'm sitting on right now. I got it for free from some lady on Facebook Marketplace because I don't think she thought that it would get out of her basement. And it's like a perfect condition leather couch. She was just like, "Yeah, we're remodeling the basement, and the green couch like is just not going to match anything. So if you can get it out of the basement, you can have it for free. Load up, my buddy. Go get this couch. Cool. Fits out of the basement and into mine. Great. Awesome." But I need some, I don't have a kitchen table or chairs, but there's like this nice countertop here that you guys can see. That's like the perfect length to like sit and eat at if you had like some bar stools to sit at it. So I think what I'd do, I would trade the free couch for some bar stools and then use the money that I was going to spend anyway on a couch and just buy a different couch. I don't know. Wow. Maybe something like that. Just like a little, little swap. I feel like I'm sitting sure on a free couch. Wanna... I could... You sure you don't want to trade your free couch for a, a one-of-a-kind Beulah record? Uh, I'll think about it. You know what? Give me a night to sleep on it, and I'll think <laughs> about it. That makes you but... very uncomfortable to listen to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you have to sit on the floor while you floor? listen to it. Yeah, yeah. That's, I feel like <laughs> that's the best way to ingest. You have to sit on the floor, or else you're going to want to fall down. It's, <laughs> it'll make you do 
if you you know if you if you ate some if you ate some mushrooms before you you know while you or before you listen to the Bueller record, it would just like make you sober. <laughs> you might start playing in time. Like the might drummer just... <laughs> might like actually start playing the same song. Yeah, 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 yeah. It all comes together, eh? Shit. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, I don't know if any of you. Thanks again for doing the pod. I don't. I don't know if either one of you want to uh, jump in and introduce this song. But if you would like to, you can go right on ahead now. This is a song called "Throw Me in the Thicket When I Die." Thanks for listening. Let the earth reclaim my